To help prevent the spread of COVID-19, teaching and learning has shifted towards online course delivery. Although necessary, educators are being asked to teach students in ways they didn't learn about in their own classrooms. So many teachers face challenges in not only gaining technical skills, but also reconceptualizing their courses to be effective in an online context. I think we can all agree to some extent that despite the need for up-to-date professional development of technology integration, there continues to be little or no supports given to educators. So I thought I would share recent research about some of the challenges that educators face online to decrease teachers' feelings of insecurity, aloneness, and imposter syndrome. After that, we'll go through some research-based pedagogical tips so that you can teach online with more competence and confidence than before. Now, I know many of you feel isolated and frustrated and are experiencing feel of failure to both learn and teach effectively with technology, but you're not alone. Recent research has found that teachers generally have a predisposition that they have to master a skill before they can teach it, rather than learning alongside their students and incorporating trial and error into the learning. We all know that a quick fix to teachers' lack of confidence and expertise is not plausible. However, you'll be happy to hear that expertise is not a necessary feature to teach online. Hear me out. Although students are oftentimes more innovative, skilled, confident, and proficient technology users than their teachers, research suggests that students seldom create or publish personalized digital texts, and they also struggle to read digital content critically. So rather than envisage our role as experts on tech trends and digital tools that constantly alter and change, our role as educators is to connect the digital practices of students, so the things that students do with technology outside of school, to the critical skills that students do not have access to outside of school. So we'll delve into this a little bit further later on. But first, I want to switch gears for a second and ask you, beyond necessity, is student engagement and excitement during online teaching and learning your central goal? If it is, you're not alone. Many teachers cite student engagement and excitement as a central motivation for using technology. Unfortunately, while technology might engage students more so than a traditional approach to teaching and learning, student performance, cognitive engagement, and assessment outcomes do not increase. The assumption that active use of technology equates to achievement of learning goals is referred to as false or flawed engagement. So flawed engagement leads to loss of student interest over time because the student recognizes that the technology is a mere trick and not actually adding value to their understanding of the content. So at this point, you might be wondering, how do I encourage active learning online? And the answer is that active learning with technology depends on pedagogical strategies and content-specific learning goals in combination with technology tools. I think Ortella explains this better than I can. So put more simply, active learning occurs when children are minds-on, that is, engaged in thinking, reflecting, and effortful mental activity. Swiping, tapping, and physically engaging with an app is not the same as minds-on activity. So how do we reboot our teaching and learning online? First and foremost, in order to move beyond technology integration and securities, I encourage all of you teachers out there to be transparent with your students about your technical abilities or inabilities. This is your opportunity to call upon your students, to empower your students to share their tech-savvy skills, 
to privilege students' knowledge and expertise and acknowledge, name, and credit students' tech-savvy innovations. Research suggests that when we create a collaborative classroom environment online, students are more likely to share their digital skills and expertise with their classmates. It creates an online environment of sharing and collaboration. This pedagogical move also decreases students' level of anxiety about producing and sharing media. So for these reasons, educators are called upon to forge a community of practice in their online classrooms where students' interests, voices, and ideas are valued and where hierarchies are flattened. Second, now that we've been forced to move teaching and learning online, it's our opportunity to encourage students to create and produce content that moves beyond traditional notions of literacy, such as reading and writing, but also an opportunity for students to produce ideas rather than just consume them. Instead of focusing on lectures, tests, and homework that are disconnected from students' everyday realities, opportunity to create content that provides solutions for real people and real situations is fundamental. So instead, we can provide students with the opportunity to represent their knowledge through a range of multimodal options, including videos, podcasts, blogs, you name it. Yes, assessment will be tricky. Yes, you won't be able to really teach these students how to create multimodally. And yes, you will have to stray from your syllabus and lesson plans. Also, you'll have to face pressure to adhere to curricular and institutional standards. But keep in mind that assessment doesn't have to be difficult or stray from curriculum expectations. Why, you might ask? Because assessment should not be about the quality of the podcast or video that the student creates. It should be about effort, and it should be about the quality of the content. I repeat, about the quality of the content. How do we ensure good quality content? Well... When we ask our students to experiment with multimodal productions, we also ask them to infuse their productions with their lived experiences, their perspectives, and their identities. We have a chance to grant students the opportunity to rewrite their own stories differently than how they're often misperceived in mainstream media. It's our role as educators to ensure that students feel they have control over digital learning and digital creations by providing opportunities for them to investigate their individual, community, and global concerns, and to determine how to advocate for social change in an online context. Third, and as previously mentioned, one of the greatest digital challenges of our time is to encourage students to read online texts critically and to produce ethical online creations that diminish harmful stereotypes. A first step in this process is to teach the critical skills that students need to be able to read, examine, and interrogate digital texts. But it's important that as educators, we do not tell students that there's only one right answer. Students have to learn to be critical of content based on their own understandings and cultural knowledge and perspectives. Why, you might ask? Because when it comes to critical thinking, our goal should not be to come up with identical understandings. Instead, we embrace complexity. Andriotti and D'Souza in 2008 referred to this pedagogical framing as, quote, think for yourself and choose responsibly what to do, end quote. This kind of classroom practice puts the responsibility on the student to critically engage with different ways of thinking and doing, to make decisions about what is right or wrong, and how to take action. So in this way, students learn to respect diverse opinions, but also to work alongside each other, regardless of a diverse cultural background and knowledge, to solve the problems that they witness and experience in their life worlds. Now, I know this sounds easier than it is, and I don't mean to sound pushy, 
I mean to sound optimistic. We have a chance as educators to reframe and relearn what it means to teach and learn and an opportunity to refine our online teaching practices. So in a nutshell, online teaching means less teacher instruction, more co-created learning, assessment based on content, not the digital creation, and elicitation of students' prior knowledge. Rather than adhering to traditional notions of teaching or treating technology as an afterthought or forced, these significant pedagogical shifts could encourage teachers and students alike to consider meaningful integrations of technology. So in this kind of classroom space, instead of being told what to do and how they're doing, students' personal goal setting, self-reflexivity, and global and local awareness are the driving forces. Well, I hope this was a useful support for the educators listening. Um, I don't claim to be an expert by any means, but this is just a collection of research that has been very helpful for me. So if you have any questions about research or resources, or you have any specific requests, please let me know. Um, Alternatively, if you're an EdTech expert, I invite you to come on the show to share your tech-savvy skills and competencies with us. So stay safe and stay well, and until next time, shine light online, and I'll talk to you soon. Good luck.